0: The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi, everyone. Kimberly Fulker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network. Hello, The and only podcast back. network dedicated to solely I to the world of dance. Barry and, and welcome you are to Potty Chat with chat, your host, Andy Network. In this bi weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18-plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So, put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Saturday. (laughs) April is almost over, which is crazy to me. Um... Spring is upon us. It's been beautiful out, except for this past week here in New York, (laughs) where it went from like 70 degrees, I think on Monday, to like 30 degrees on Thursday. So (laughs) I have no idea what's happening in the world. But I feel like uh, spring and fall, at least in the northeast part of the United States, it's like... The, they there's supposed to be like 3 month seasons but i feel like they're like 2 week seasons because by at the end of next week supposedly we're supposed to be in the 80s so um yeah what is going on with that um but yeah other than that i'm what is new i'm looking forward actually so this is thursday I re- i'm recording on thursday this week this will come out on saturday but um uh tomorrow i'm actually going to the the suburbs of Philly and Philadelphia to uh, visit my, my family, which I have not seen them since September. And uh, before that, I haven't seen them since uh, February of 2020. So I'm completely fully vaccinated. And my husband got his second dose of uh, Pfizer, um, the Pfizer vaccine on Monday. So he's like almost there with protection. And we decided that we're finally going to go and visit family after such a long time. So uh, I'm leaving for Philadelphia on Saturday <clears throat> for a couple of days. We're going to go to the suburbs for a few days with my family and then go into the city to visit some friends that we... Because if you've been paying attention uh, to this podcast for a while, I lived in Philadelphia. I was raised in the suburbs and then I lived in Philadelphia from 2011 to 2017. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. And then I... Uh, The second week of May, uh, my husband and I are heading to Los Angeles to visit his family. So glad to finally start to feel like we can interact um, again. Still really, really like cautious about things. Um, Like I don't feel comfortable really eating inside restaurants yet. Um, I just started hugging people again. (laughs) When the numbers started going back up here in New York back in October, November, I actually set a date that I would stop hugging people. Um, (laughs) so it's been like since November and I just started hugging people like a week ago. So, um, yeah, what a weird, weird world that we live in. Also, what a weird (coughs) sound on my voice. Um, (laughs) I swear... I need to like get a voice coach. I, I lose my voice all the time now. Um, okay. So what is coming up for me in the near future? Um, so on Saturday, May 1st, uh, movement headquarters, uh, is going to be presenting a digital premiere of a new pod de called body scan. Um, me and my collaborator, Liz Schneider Cohen have been fastidiously, uh, I just came up with that word on the spot. What a good word, fastidiously. We've been fastidiously um, putting together this, this piece and I'm really excited to show it to the world. It will be available for free. Um, on Saturday, May 1st, a week from the, the um, when we dropped this episode. And uh, what we're just saying is if you w- like our work and you want to support Movement Headquarters and my work, um, if you want to donate the, a ticket price, you can visit www.movementhqballet.org forward slash support-mhb, um, or just go onto my Instagram where you can find the link there. Um, but yeah, so we're doing that. There's We're doing an early release on our Patreon on, I believe it's the 28th, whatever that Wednesday is. Um, so for those of you that aren't, aren't aware uh, my company is also running a patreon where we offer regular insider content about our company and also uh, three times a month we offer content relating to our development of uh, land of the sweets which will be an immersive nutcracker experience that will premiere in december 2021 that is only eight months away which strikes the fear of the universe in me. Um, (laughs) But we're not going to get into that today. Um, What else is happening? Uh, I don't know how to talk about this, but I'm going to mention a little bit. I'm I'm developing an open class program uh, with classes in Times Square. So, I think we're officially launching May 15th. Um, but if, you would, if you're would, in New York or if you're going to be visiting New York and you want details about that um, and how to take class with me, um, I am developing a boutique open class program in New York City that offers ballet and contemporary classes because movement headquarters where classical meets contemporary. Um, and we may also offer some conditioning classes. So um, there are a lot more details to that, but I, I'm not ready yet to go into that. I'll probably do a entire podcast just devoted to that so that is that and then as i mentioned in our last podcast uh our movement headquarters is having our first official live in-person performances since our company debut in february 2020 um new york has finally lifted the regulations that said that we can't have uh live indoor performances um there are still limits Uh, everybody in our audience will be masked. All of our dancers will be unmasked, but they will all be vaccinated by that point. Um, and yeah, I'm so excited. I'm just, I'm nervous, but I'm so excited just to like really get back to what we're doing. So, um, if you want more information about that, we will be posting soon on our website, www.movementhqballet.org. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on with that. Oh, I'm also I'm visiting Los Angeles uh, the second week of May. If anybody is in the area and wants some master classes or uh, choreography or anything like that, just shoot me a message. I I, I could possibly uh, devote uh, a day or two to teaching and choreographing while I'm there. Okay, that is that. All right, today's podcast episode. I'm a little nervous to do today's podcast. I don't know, like this is just like it's kind of a heavy topic and. Um, some of my topics are lighter, some of mine are more more in depth, as I've said a million times, my brand is candor. So, um, I, I try my best to be straightforward and honest and, um, in in not just like my social media, but also like in, in my media, whether it's writing articles for dance magazine, um, or, uh, podcasting or any, anything really involving my art. Um, So if you are in in the know of uh, the ballet world even a little bit, I'm sure that you have heard the news that uh, renowned choreographer Liam Scarlett, who uh, used to be the resident choreographer of the Royal Ballet in London, um, he committed suicide this past weekend. So that would be the weekend of April 14th or 13th, 15th, something like that um, I didn't know Liam personally. I know a lot of people who knew Liam. Um, and I was thinking, do I really want to talk about this topic on a podcast? I'm sure like, if this was me, like, I don't know if I I would want like random media outlets talking about like my drama and, um, this tragedy, but at the same time it is public news. And I think it opens up a a really, Important and interesting conversation that um, hasn't really been had. I, I am kind of, like, over... Okay, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm over cancel culture. Um, and I also... I feel like publications and dance, for the most part, only want to post positive, share, like, positive stories. And I get that because... Dance is already severely underfunded, and I don't know why we would want to talk about all of the issues in dance publicly for the world to read. Um, because what it's going to do is it's just going to turn people away from wanting to be a part of our dance world. And there are so many incredible, amazing, beautiful parts of our dance world. And like most, uh, like most things, there's going to be some type of issue, uh, underlying issue within like the system of whatever uh, I don't know, career field you're going to be a part of. Um, I feel like the arts and entertainment are a bit different because they often involve children. Um, but I'm going to get more into that in a second. But anyway, so, um, it's interesting because before COVID, I feel like dance publications were only talking about like positive things. And every once in a while, something would happen like when Chase Finley um, was uh, fired from New York City Ballet, when Peter Martin stepped down from New York City Ballet, when Marcelo Gomez stepped down from American Ballet Theater. Of course, uh, these publications are going to write about uh, these things because they're major news in the dance world. But for the most part, before COVID, there wasn't a lot of conversation about or there weren't there weren't there wasn't conversation about challenging topics in the dance world. Uh, yeah, we would talk about Missy Copeland and, uh, but we wouldn't like really come out and be and say like ballet is racist. Um, but since COVID happened and George Floyd, yay George Floyd getting justice this week. That's not going to sidetracked with that, Barry. But um, we didn't really talk too much about the racism issue in ballet and in many forms of dance until that happened. Um, also uh there weren't conversations about like gender inequities and also uh how if you didn't fit like into a strict um gender sorry, if you didn't conform to like a strict gender code, that dance generally was not going to be fluid enough for you to really be who you are. You had to like fit into a cisgender cisgender, uh, format. That's not the word I'm looking for, but it's just what's coming out of my mouth right now because this is off the cuff. But yeah, so uh, we didn't really talk about those things in the media. And then ever since COVID happened, um, and people have time to think. It's been interesting because just looking at like things that my colleagues and peers are writing in these publications, we're finally having these conversations. but now, We're having these conversations all the time and I also want to have some of that joy back into dance and that like positivity Um, and I think that will happen as more things open up and there's actually more to talk about. Um, There weren't a lot of performances to talk about so we had to talk about the dance world and our system so I think it will even out soon but um, I, I truly think that this entire conversation about Liam Scarlett is is not so much about Liam Scarlett And who he was, what he may have done, and uh, the unfortunate outcome of uh, the fallout from these allegations that happened to him. Um, I think that in reality, what we're really talking about is the system of ballet and how it brings people into ballet and informs them about behavior and then how that behavior has been going on for a long time, but people are finally starting to call it out. And so many people have gone away with those behaviors. And then now that it's been sort of a, what's the word when you have like rats or like bugs and you, I don't know, you smoke them out. That's not what I'm trying to say either. But um, what ends up happening is all of these people that built the person who is the fall guy or the fall woman or the fall person, um, that person is the result of a structure that allowed them to do those things. And they are not the first one to do it, but they're the ones that take the fall. And then nobody comes forward and says, they're not the only one. And I, the other day, I just couldn't stop thinking about what happened with Liam Scarlett. Um, And I... I had to say something and I had to I had to talk about what has happened. And obviously I'm not gonna like name names as not my that's not my like place. That's not what I wanna do. Um I'm not going to like try to shame people and cancel people. Not my interest. But I do think it's an important conversation. So today I'm gonna be talking about I mean, I have to talk about Liam Scarlett to have this conversation. But again, like I said, my condolences to his friends and families and his friends and family and colleagues and peers. Um, I think it's tragic what happened to him. Um, I'm not trying to judge anybody through this conversation, um, but uh, I want to, I just want to like talk about the system that I believe, not that I believe, I know. I know this, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm interpreting something, I have experienced this. So I'm just gonna put it out there. I I know that these things are created by a system that is in place and that is slowly being uh, dissected and pulled apart and hopefully uh, broken and shifted and altered to create a a more fair and safe work environment for children that are working as adults and adults that started working as children. but before I get too ahead of myself, the first thing that I wanted to do was I want to read the, I'm going to read you the, my Facebook posts. If you uh, don't follow me on Facebook, um, I'm almost capped for friends. Um, I also post it on Instagram. Um, you can follow me at bcorolis, B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S on Instagram. But um, the first thing I want to do is just talk about, I want to I read my posts. So I'm going to shift over to that. All right. So I wrote this on April 19th. What is that? Monday, Monday. Uh, and I always, I try to title my, my posts because I'm strange, but um, I, okay, I can't stop thinking about Liam. If you're even slightly in the know in the dance world, you've heard that a brilliant young choreographer named Liam Scarlett took his life this weekend. I didn't know him personally and his work only came to the US around the time I finished my performance career, but his situation being ostracized for alleged sexual harassment of teens and young adults and organizations he worked for is not as uncommon as the general public thinks. When I first started dancing professionally, I was sexually harassed on a regular basis, weekly to monthly. It didn't matter if I was in a relationship or single, if I was interested or not, it kept on happening. I didn't necessarily ignore every message as it was flattering and confusing. Then I'd go to work with these people and they wouldn't acknowledge their nighttime or weekend actions. At many points, I distinctly remember thinking to myself, why does this only seem to come from those who have excelled in our career field? At a certain point, I became very angry. I remember stating out loud many times to friends, why do evil people get rewarded with promotions and parts? But now that I'm older and more mature, I realize it is systemic. What it comes down to is Liam Scarlett is the result of a system, a system built by adults who started working as children in a field that exalts the body. The body reigns supreme, and our system of rules are defined by hierarchy built upon certain levels of systemic immaturity. Times are changing, and I know there are a handful of people who must be shaking in their ballet slippers. It may be confusing seeing all of these warm, positive reflections from artists who knew Liam, but just a reminder that each and every one of us can be one person's hero while being somebody else's devil. Rest in peace, Mr. Scarlet. I hope our system can do good by your legacy. Um, and then I accompanied it with a fun photo of me back in my time at PNB, uh, talking about, uh, a piece that I choreographed. Um, yeah. So that was my post. Um, I let's, let's dissect this post a little bit. So, okay. Um, Liam Scarlett, let's talk about him. So he was, he was, trained at the Royal Ballet School he joined the company I don't rem- I don't know enough about his career I don't know like if he rose to the ranks or if he was a chord dancer but I believe like in the early teens he was like still dancing but he choreographed and he was like kind of n- noted noticed um, as uh, a choreographer with great potential for the future so he started to choreograph more. Um, and then he started traveling around the, the Europe and the U.S. to um, create new works, and uh, he he ended up retiring young um, so that he could focus on his choreography career. Um, I first saw how many pieces I feel like I've seen two or three of his pieces. Um, I saw my first Liam Scarlett ballet in person at uh, in San Francisco. Actually, with my final gig with my Oakland Ballet tragedy. Um, I, in 2014, saw Liam Scarlett. He did a piece, I forget what it was called, um, but I, I distinctly remember it was to Philip Glass's Tyrol Concerto, I think number two or something like that, because I have the music now and I want to choreograph to it at some point. Gorgeous music. And I it was very, uh, he created a, a, a wonderful piece. There was a lot of chore work with a lot of motion on stage and structure, which I really appreciated. Um some violent pot of dough work. Um, and I remember I was actually taken to see the show by my, with my friend who um, used to be the dance critic for the New York post. Um, and we, we had some really in-depth conversation uh, after lunch um, about how, there seems to be like an underlying sense of violence within um, Mr. Scarlett's work. So that was really my first, I had heard about him um, and I had wanted to work with him, but um, I was kind of not working with companies that were working with choreographers who were creating new works um, of that caliber um, because I had left Pacific Northwest Ballet at that point. But I was thinking maybe one day I'll join a company again and I'll get to work with him. Um, but I mean, that as we know, if you've been following me, I that was already like practically the end of my career. So anyway, um, around that time, um, I remember starting to hear people talking about Liam and how uh, – He was dating somebody, but there were issues because everywhere he would go, he would like seek out people and the schools and the companies. And I'm not going to go into too much of that because I can't verify any of it. Um, the ballet world is very small. I remember when I came out at Pacific Northwest Ballet, um, I was, I thought I was straight until, uh my second year professionally. Um, and it took me about like six months to a year to finally tell people. But, um, when people just started to learn that I I'd come out at Pacific Northwest Ballet, I remember people texting me like from across the country to ask me if it was true. So once you get into like the upper echelon of the dance world, um, there's people talk about people and and word gets back and you never know if it's completely true. It could be like, uh, Rumor, it could be a hint of truth or it could be like 100% truth. Um, I will say that there were rumors going around about Liam at the time. So um, in 2019, um, when there was an investigation, this is like around the time that the Peter Martins thing happened in New York City Ballet and the Chase Finley thing happened, um An investigation was uh, put into play at the Royal Opera House um, in London to see, um, because there were, I guess, allegations that he was um, sexually harassing kids in the school, Um, and the invest it's weird the investigation happened and they ended up letting liam go but they said that their investigation found nothing um and uh do i want to talk about this yet i have like a few tiny little notes um okay let's talk about investigations so okay The first investigation didn't turn anything up, but Royal Ballet did not... They they got rid of Liam Scarlett. So what exactly does that say? And I think that the best way to describe it is um, if you know who Alex Waterbury is, Alexandra Waterbury, she was uh, the girlfriend of Chase Finley at New York City Ballet. And um, their Chase supposedly was taking videos and images while they were in, uh, having personal moments together and he was sending them to people, um, in New York City Ballet. Um, I'm not going to get too much into that. I'm not going to debate it. If you want to, to hear what I said, about that situation. I wrote, or not, I wrote, I did a podcast on toxic masculinity and dance maybe like two years ago. So look for that in my previous episodes. Um, and I, I've met Alex Waterbury. I know a lot of people who know her, um, well, and I, I'm, I don't want to be a judge of character. Um, I know Chase, I've known him for, since we, since he was a kid. Um, and I haven't, I I haven't talked to him since everything went down. So again, I'm not going to be a judge of that, but, um, Alex Waterray posted on her stories uh, the other day, it might've been yesterday, and she was talking about investigations with companies. Um, and so there's two types of investigations. There's internal investigations, and then there are external investigations. Internals, like maybe the board or administrators within the company will do the investigation where an external one is where people will be hired to do it outside of the organization. And those are considered usually the... Um, they're going to give a little bit more truth because, um, they're not trying to like necessarily cover anything up in that way. But, um, Alex was talking in her story about how investigations, uh, for into companies often turn up nothing. And while she was saying, I can't remember if she said or if I thought it, so I don't want to own it, but I think I thought it. Um, and she didn't say it, but, um, one thing that I think is really interesting with investigations like this, uh, whether they're external or internal, is that they're not legal, they're not like a legal process. Um, if it was a legal process, what would end up happening was people would be uh what's depo- they would be deposed and they would have to swear that they would tell the truth. And then if it goes to court, then they would have to say what they said in their deposition in court. And then you could if you lie and they find out you could be uh charged with perjury, um, lying on the stand. <clears throat> But in these investigations, a couple of things: um, a, you can lie, and there there is no like legal status as far as I'm concerned that could uh, get you in trouble for lying. Um, second, a lot of people don't want to talk to investigators, um, and usually, I can give a great example of this. Um, when I was a union rep, a union delegate at Pacific Northwest Ballet for three seasons. Um, Whenever there were issues that came up, they would be brought to me and it was my responsibility to bring them to the artistic staff and management uh, of Pacific Northwest Ballet to try to resolve the issue. Um, There were certain issues that I did not agree with. And if I didn't agree with them, um, I would try to get somebody to come and represent um, that argument or that issue um, to talk to it because um, if I didn't believe in it, how do I argue it? Or if um, somebody, maybe like sometimes some one person would always have an issue and they'd be like, okay, well, if, if this is your sixth issue in the last two years, why don't you come? Almost always, they don't wanna do it. People will complain. They will try to egg people on. That person who seems like they're they're gonna like take charge, people will do whatever it takes so that they can get their way without actually having to step forward and do it. So when these investigations happen, and I'm not saying this from experience, um, but when they when they happen, um, a lot of people don't want to get involved because A, maybe it's in their past, they don't want to relive it. B, they don't want it to follow them um, like emotionally into the future. Um, and then C, they don't want it to follow them career-wise into the future because now you are attached to this drama with Liam Scarlett that you did not bring upon yourself. Um So why would you want to be in an investigation? And as Alex said in her story, she was like, there, there have been so many situations where there could be investigations. And she said, I'm one of the only ones that actually followed through with it. And I will tell you from experience, you don't want to be involved with these investigations. So the reason that I bring this up is because he was cleared in this investigation from the Royal Opera. Um, but he was let go from his position with, with the Royal Ballet, um, So why did they let him go if the allegations were false? Because it would seem that the investigation was done to either credit or discredit Liam Scarlett. So if it credited Liam Scarlett, why did you discredit him by letting him go? Um, so it leaves a lot of questions that obviously many of us are never going to know. And in in the grand scheme of the world, it's not important. Like, I don't need to know, like, if he was actually doing these things. I have a good idea. Um, but in the end, it doesn't do anything for the good of the system of ballet. Um, but I'm going to get into that more in the future. Okay, so, um... My next thing I going to talk about. Okay, so what what was it that Liam was accused of? And I already already told you that. So um, there I, I, there are like things that I if I get too in depth in this podcast is going to be five hours long, and my obviously my voice can't handle that. Um, gay culture is a bit different than straight culture, and I'm not trying to like say that like one is more difficult or one is better or this or that. What i what I'm saying is. Um, with the factor of being gay, um, LGBTQ, transgender, blah, blah, blah. I said transgender, transgender twice with a T. (laughs) But anyway, um, with anything that is not considered normal, um, within like religious societies, um... You can be outcast, you can lose your job, you can lose respect. I mean, legally, there are a lot of places that you can't, but you still can, and then you would have to fight for it. Um, You can be kicked out of your house, um, you can be attacked, you can be killed. There are a lot of things that can happen um, if you come out, and it can can come down to what city or town you live in. if you were raised in New York, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But if you were raised in Tennessee, like a small town in Tennessee, it could be a big issue. So there are weird, like underlying things within the LGBTQ plus et cetera et cetera community um, that tend to have people do things behind closed doors. Also, it tends to delay people emotionally and sexually. Um, And like, I guess a great example of it, if you have, I mean, I think it's a great movie, but I'm also kind of disturbed by it. Um, And beyond the fact that I can't remember his name um, was recently uh, not me too, but he was also fired for deviant behavior. Um, Call me by your name. It's a very heartwarming, very uh, interesting movie, Um, very well made. But it's like a romance between, I think he's like 30 years old and like a 16-year-old. And I watched it and I was like, why is everybody so in love with it when it's like, in reality, like it's 100% inappropriate. Um, But Liam Scarlett was potentially doing the same thing, but we can watch Call Me By Your Name And we can sit there and go, what a beautiful, lovely story of a 16-year-old and a 30-year-old that fall in love together. And the 16-year-old gets his heart broken for the first time, Um, but they were both able to be like their true, authentic selves. Um, We don't, in real life, it doesn't work that way. We watched it happen, and this man killed himself over over it. Um, So... That's, that's, that's a really big part of this conversation. Like what is right and what is wrong? What has been acceptable in the past? What is legal, like legally right and wrong? What's morally right and wrong? Um, Is what he did, um, was it approved by the Society of Ballet? Not like there's a Society of Ballet, but like the cultural culture of ballet, Yeah, it was approved. It was approved by not being disapproved by the powers that be. Um, So was what Liam did an act by one deviant person? I don't know Liam. Like, I can't tell you anything about this man, um, except for what I've heard from friends and in the news. Um, But was he deviant? Or was he doing something that many other people do? Are all those people deviant? Or is that uh, underground acceptable within our culture? Um, But finally it's come to reality that maybe it's not. And instead of, going this system is broken let's work with this person to improve it and let's make them an advocate for it so that we can work this out of our system um, it's kind of like catch me if you can when Leonardo DiCaprio was uh, I mean I know it's based off a true story I have no idea who the guys what the guy's name was but where Leonardo DiCaprio is like committing fraud across the board everywhere crazy crazy fraud and then he goes to jail and then like the government is like he's insanely talented we should use him to benefit us Maybe Maybe we could have done that with Liam Scarlet instead of shunning him and taking his work away from him. But um Yeah, so um Was this an act of a deviant person? No, I don't think it was. I think it was systemic. I think that uh this is something that's involved in the dance world. Um, it's heavily involved in the dance world. Oh, I need to go back for a second. Um he Liam Scarlett was fired from uh, Royal Ballet, but the the cherry on top of the cake was um, he was his Frankenstein was going to be playing at the Royal uh, at Royal Danish Ballet, RDB. Um, and he, apparently a new investigation had been opened there for the same thing that happened at the Royal, uh, Royal Ballet and they canceled his, uh, his production. And that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. So, um, I didn't want to, I forgot to say that at the beginning. So now, you know what, like the whole like line of, uh, information to get here was, but yeah. So, um, was this an act by one deviant person? I don't believe that. I believe it's systemic, um, because I have experienced this. And like I, like I mentioned in my, my, uh, my post on Instagram and Facebook, um, and I've talked about a handful of these things. Um, when I was 17 years old, I was reached out to by the ballet master of a major company through this website called Ballet Alert, um, where you get to talk about ballet because I was a bunhead and all I wanted to do was talk about ballet. Um and I ended up getting connected with this guy and he, uh, I was seventeen. He was a ballet master, so he, this is he's many years ahead of me. Um, and he was sexually harassing me, and I uh, I asked him to stop, and he would stop, and he would come back, and then he ended. I ended up uh, meeting. I met him before, but then I ended up getting invited to an audition and getting a job at the company, and when. I got the job. I turned it down because not because I didn't want to dance with the company. It was because I didn't want to be near him. Um, So for me, that was the beginning of it all. I was 17 years old. Um, So then when I joined Houston Ballet, honestly, like Houston Ballet, I don't remember that year, um, anything really happening. I still thought I was straight. And um, I was also really awkward and like adapting. I don't know, like. I was, I'm nerdy with things and I'm intense and I'm passionate and I look back at myself there and I realized that I was like not completely socially adjusted in the way that I thought I was. Um, not that I even am now, but at the time, like I was so intense about like having a career that I feel like I disassociated myself from... Uh, the group because I cared more about like moving forward than I did about like being a part of the community, but I was only there for a year. And then when I got to Pacific Northwest Valley, that changed because I integrated, I changed, I evolved, I changed so much in the first few years of my, my career. Um, But also I came out and when I came almost, when rumors started to come out that I was hooking up with uh, my first love, um, they people started to say things and they would start to text me and they would say things. But then like once like that ended, um, then it really started to come. Like I would get questions like sexual questions, um, via text message. Um, I would get images sent to me. Um, I would be out at a club and people would drive me home and then try to manipulate me into going home with them or coming into my apartment. Um, and then I got together with my husband um, and people knew that I was no longer single and that we were in a monogamous relationship and they didn't care. They didn't stop. And honestly, some of these people are still my friends today. And it's weird because they don't do it anymore. But it's like, I, there are one or two that like I love dearly and they got it out of their system, but it was like constant. And so it was like constant deflection And then when I left Pacific Northwest Ballet, I started freelancing. And in many of the different locations, I would have people that would know that I was in a relationship, that I would turn down multiple times, and I would end up with a a picture of their penis on my phone that they sent me at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. Um, And I'm not responding, but I'm still getting these images. Um, And... So this is like something that happened my entire performance career. And um, I don't want to sound like above everybody. Like for me, I've never been like one to send photographs of myself. Like I said, I'm in a monogamous relationship. My husband and I are not really trying to like go out and seek others. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what people do and that's what they want to do. But when somebody says, no, thank you, please don't do this again. You should stop. Um, And I'm not like, I'm not innocent I could have just like not responded to people, but as I said in my post, like it was confusing. It was flattering. Like you are in a long term relationship, and it's it's nice to know that other people are like still in- interested in you. Like I am not gonna lie, um, but at the same time, like there are lines um, and respect in this and that, and the dance, the, the the ballet world. I to separate it from the rest of the dance world. Um, there are lines that are crossed constantly and it's a part of the work too. Um, but I guess it comes down to consent again. And there is, there is, in my opinion, there's sexual consent, like physical sexual consent. Do you want to have sex with me? Yes, I do. No, I don't. Like that's a straightforward answer. But there's also like uh, consent around sexual, uh, other sexual practices, like text messages and video messages and things like that and i i know that that would be a different story because it's not like it's sexual it is a sexual harassment um but it's it doesn't feel completely like sexual harassment for most people because it's confusing because i mean let me give an experience um when i okay when i was 19 i was brought into American Ballet Theater to uh, dance in Romeo and Juliet. I was second cast to David Hallberg. And um, there was a principal dancer that was in the company that I idolized. Like one of the reasons that I wanted to dance with American Ballet Theater. And like I said, I thought I was straight at the time. And when this dancer was not uh, rehearsing, he would lay in the front of the studio and he would make eyes with me. And like, I mean, I'm not like, is he looking at me and like smiling and giving me weird looks? Like, no, it was like obvious. And people would be like, do you see him like staring at you? And I don't want to make eye contact with him because I was uncomfortable. But at the same time, I was like, my idol is attracted to me. And it was so, while I thought I was straight, at the same time, it was so like, I can't even describe the feeling. It was like, think of your, favorite movie star, male or female, and they are looking at you like they want to be with you. And I was a child. So this is, this is, it's common. It's systemic. This is something that happens. Um, and I've been thinking a lot why, why I think that these People do these things because one thing that I mentioned in my, my post, it always seemed to be people that were excelling, the people that were doing well. And so there must there must be some element of power and if not power um, empowerment, um, which maybe that's the same thing, but I think it's power versus empowerment is a bit different. Like power is like you feel powerful, but empowerment is when people or a system let you feel entitled to do these things. Um, I, the, the best way that I can explain this is, uh, I've, I've given this a few times on this podcast, my Lord of the Flies explanation. Um, I think that the reason that people do these things is because almost everybody who is a part of the ballet world at large got into a company as a teenager. Um, it's getting a little different now where you have people in their like early twenties, but, um, I, w- we, we get into companies as kids and then we are brought up through the ranks by leadership who got into companies as kids who have not left the organizations that left these organizations to get a higher education there's, their education is essentially like uh, trial by fire. They, they hire these principal dancers to become directors and then they expect them to like learn the, their job duties on the job instead of being given the information on how to execute certain things how to handle hard conversations, how to make sure that like your dancers are safe um and that they feel they feel safe in the environment, that stuff doesn't happen. So essentially you have children entering the workforce, getting promoted by former children uh, like chi- chi- by chi- by former child dancers who got hired the same way. So there's like systemic immaturity that's involved and then also like you have to be really comfortable as a dancer to be close to people to kiss people sometimes for works to touch people in places that nobody else would legally be able to touch people. Um, And so it blurs the lines. And then you have children making these these decisions. And while most of these children or young adults are extremely mature in certain areas, there are other areas, like I said, for me, like I was super intense uh, when I started my career, um, but I was lacking in certain areas socially. Um, So it's like Lord of the Flies. It's like children leading children. Um, and I think the only way to break the pattern is to hire directors and not bring them into the company right away, to go make them take business courses and ethics courses and uh, HR courses and management courses and all of those types of things, or hire them the, for two years before the director resigns. Um, and I know that that's challenging because most directors don't want to feel like somebody's like nipping at their heels. But we need a system that educates directors so that th- that their leadership and their maturity can trickle down into these organizations and prevent things from getting into this these situations. Because with Liam, what it, what in my opinion, I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble for this podcast, but whatever. Um, I feel like. Liam was probably had these things done to him. And then when he got into a position of power, he was doing what he had been taught. It's like that commercial where like the dad catches the kid doing drugs and he's like, I can't believe that you're doing this. And he's like, well, I learned it from you. Like, I feel like that's the dance, the dance world. Um, but what, what ended up happening with Liam, if what happened is true, um, I'm sure that he he was not the only person in these places doing these things. I'm sure that it was happening with multiple people across the board. And what ended up happening was somebody called it out. So the Royal Ballet had to do something about it. Um, and instead of like letting it become a legal matter, they said, you know what? Let's just let you go. And we're going to say the investigation found nothing. And if we say that and you you're not with the company anymore, then you're uh, not gonna be you're not gonna have to go through a legal battle which could end up with you in jail. It's better to like not have a job than to be in jail. Um, and I think that that's honestly what's happened with a, a handful of recent investigations that have happened. But is it fair for us to look at Liam and to demonize him? And take all of his – the only community that he had left, because I've traveled for work, it is lonely. And even though you might go – you might be friendly and go and make new friends everywhere that you go, it is lonely. And then you go home and there's nobody left because you've been traveling so much and then you have to like try to reconnect. Um, So if if Liam – his community was the dance world as he traveled around and then more and more companies were taking away his work. Not only was he losing work, he was losing the only community that he had. Like how, how could he have anything else left to grasp onto, to, to want to move forward and try to, to make amends and try to continue in this world that he had known nothing other than this world. Um, <sighs> So yeah, I, I find it hard to demonize him. And I think it's been really fascinating to watch people argue and be like, well, everybody's like saying like poor Liam, but at the same time, what about the victims? And yeah, obviously, yes, the victims also a very important part of this. Um, and they deserve to get their, uh, they deserve to get their uh, peace of mind and to uh, be able to move forward with their lives and not have to deal with things like this. And it's a shame that they, if this affected them negatively, that they have that this on their plate for the rest of their lives. But also, there are all these dancers that have worked with him that have been posting these like wonderful tributes to him. Um, and... I think that the reason that people look beyond it is because they, they know that he is not the only one. They have friends that do this. They have friends that have had this done to them and they go, it's so sad to see this one person take the fall when there's so many other people that are doing this. Um, So as I've like watched the whole situation unfold, that's kind of like how I've interpreted it. It's, people aren't like freaking out and trying to cancel him uh, that have worked with him because it's systemic. It's not, it's not, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to say that he, what he did was right or that he should not be responsible for his actions if he did that, um, did those things. But at the same time, it's a system that created the pathway for this to happen. Um, and he just happens to be the star, the star of the show, the star of the situation. Um, so all of the attention is brought to him. So um, I, I, I'm i going to stop for a second and just say like I support victims and I'm not in any way trying to downplay Liam Scarlett if he did any of the stuff that has been said that he has done. I'm just trying to like make sense of the situation. Um, so... Before I end, I'm, and I'm almost done, um, I just wanted to give a little bit of information um, to let you know like how I responded to these people. If you find that you've been caught in a situation where somebody is sexually harassing you um, in person, online, uh, privately on your phone, um, or anything like that, because it's, it's happened to me practically my entire career. Um, and the, the, I think the weirdest part of it is that usually the people will pretend like it's they, they never did it. Um, a lot of these people, I was like, I want to be friends with them, but they're not friends with me. But then they're doing this, and I feel like if I do this, they'll be friends with me. But then I'd be like violating my relationship. Um And I don't even know if I want to do these things with them. So, okay, it gets complicated. But um, how do I respond to these people? So usually I would just try to be friendly and laugh it off. Like I would acknowledge them. um, But here's the thing. What I learned was the second that I acknowledged them, it didn't stop. Um, And then when I would ask them to stop, usually it would would be like a joke. They'd either think it was a joke and it would happen again until I'd finally be like, no, I can't do this anymore. And then it would usually stop for a little while, but it would come back. Um, So... Yeah, in the end, it was much easier to just laugh it off and deflect. But what I think is the best way to go about this is the second that you start to get even a hint, because what happens a lot is like they get you to question whether they're actually doing it or not. Like, are they coming on to me? Like, it's not usually like they just send you a picture or they just like say, I want you to come over. I'm um, usually it's like sexual, like talk that is like mildly sexual and then it goes into like innuendo, and then that innuendo area is where it starts to get really confusing um so what I've found is it's easier to just not respond and then the and the reason that I say that is because the most awkward part of it was that I would always have to go to work the next day or after the weekend was over and see these people, and they would never acknowledge it so if you respond and you tell them not to, and then you see them at work, there's not going to be, there's usually not going to be any acknowledgement of it. Um, so if you just don't respond in the first place, you're probably going to find yourself in the same situation where they're not going to acknowledge the fact that you didn't respond to them. It's essentially opening the door. Um, but once that door is open, how do you get it to stop? That's that's a really hard thing, and and it, it comes down to just continuously like expressing that this is not okay. Um, I think it's hard to bring something like this up to management and that's also a failure in the system. Um, because the second that you bring something up, it's escalated and it becomes like a, a workplace issue and then it could lead to firing and it could lead to, if that person's not fired, it can lead to like their friends being angry with you. And then it creates like a really, really toxic work work environment. Um, so if you have accidentally gone yourself into one of these situations, um, and you've been trying to deflect and they're not leaving you alone, um, I don't really know what to tell you. You can, you, there, you can try different things. You can go talk to that person in person and say, Hey, I feel really uncomfortable. Can you please stop doing this? Um, or you can have, uh, if you're friends with somebody who's friends with them, maybe ask them to talk to them. Um, but obviously if worse comes to worst you're going to you, you you should not feel like you're going to uh, receive retribution because you're being sexually harassed and there should be in any organization a pathway to Talk to somebody about this to try to get this stop. Usually, uh, and I mean, Movement Headquarters, we don't have this because we're too young of a company. But um, most established organizations have an HR department—that's human resources. Um, if not human resources, a company manager. If not a company manager, a ballet master, or mistress, or rehearsal director, or whatever they're calling them now. Um, so, if you find yourself in one of those situations. Um, like I said, I think the best thing to do is to the second that you start to feel it going into innuendo, just stop responding to messages. Um, cause it, a lot of times the culture is if they're responding, there's a hint of interest. So if I push, if I push far enough, I'm going to get what I'm looking for. And whether that's like validation, whether that's an image a video or an actual sexual experience, it's going to be, uh, It's that, that's, they're not going to stop till they, till they get what they're looking for. It's going to be different based off of the individual. So that's my advice for anybody that finds himself in this situation. Um, lastly, how do I think that the dance world can do better, um, by this situation? Like at the end, I said that we, I hope that we can do, uh, good by the legacy of Liam Scarlett, somebody who was immensely talented and deeply immersed in our dance world and then was, uh doing things supposedly that were are unacceptable and inappropriate um but also call me by your name um but yeah so somebody that's doing that um but it's ingrained in the culture i i how 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 do i think that the dance world can do better i think that It's challenging. I remember when I was at Pacific Northwest Ballet as a company member, we had to sign a contract that we would not interact with dancers in the school that were under the age of 18, but it was confusing because at times there were 16 and 17 year old dancers that were already hired into the company. And isn't that the same thing? Um, I think it comes down to education and, uh, making sure that every dancer has like a clear understanding of the pathway to address these things. Um, I think it also has to do with, uh, not letting the empowerment of, and you need to give a dancer confidence for them to do well in their careers, but making sure that the confidence doesn't turn into sexual prowess. Um, Also, there's been a lot of conversation about consent in the studio. Um, I'm going to put my hand in your crotch to do this torch lift. Are you okay with that? Okay. If I, what, where, where should my hand go? Um, so that I don't go to somewhere that's going to make you uncomfortable. Okay, um, we have to kiss in this part de deux. Are we going to practice that kiss today? Um, okay, Do we when we practice that kiss, are we going to open our mouths and stick our tongues in our mouths? Or are we going to just open our mouths and make it look like our tongues are working, but they're not? Or are we going to keep our mouths closed? Um, different things like that. I think if it starts in the studio in that way, where we have more respect for the body and the person, um, Versus like the, just the art, I think that that will start to bleed into the culture outside of it because then there will not there not there won't be so many blurry lines in the workplace and everybody's connected out of the workplace through their connection in the workplace. And then hopefully it will also lead to a culture of consent outside of the workplace. Um, Obviously, there are always going to be people that are going to go against the norm here. But if we start working in this way, I think it will be helpful, especially considering that there are children working in dance companies as professionals. And we are taught in ballet to idolize those at the top of the companies. And if we do that, like maybe we'll become them one day. And then all of a sudden we're working with them and then they're hitting on me. It's so confusing and it's so glamorous and it's so exciting and it's so wrong. And there's there's so many different aspects of it that are like amazing and horrible because um, they could lead to great relationships down the line. But also at the same time, like, if you, I don't know, pick your favorite actor or actress. If they walked up to you and they appeared genuinely interested in you and they started texting you, but they were 20 years older than you, like, are you going to respond? And are you going to try to, like, make them feel good and happy? Probably. Um, and are you going to feel good about yourself while you do it? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you do it first and you realize that, like, this wasn't what you thought that you were signing up for. There, there's so much to it, but so that's really my assessment of the Liam Scarlett situation. It's so sad. Um, I my again my thoughts are with his family and friends and peers and colleagues, and my thoughts are with his victims, if there are victims. Um, my thoughts are just with like ballet companies trying to change systems that are so deeply ingrained and in, uh, ancient. Um, I just hope this is something that can be bettered. I don't think it will ever go away completely. We are an art form of the body, but I think that we can do better. And, uh, I, yeah, that that's, that's where, that's where I'm leaving this episode. So, um, still thinking about what happened. It's been, it's been a week and I didn't know this guy, but, uh, it's, it's affected me in a way. Um, and it's not, it hasn't been triggering in the sense because, I was never traumatized by the sexual harassment that I experienced, and I don't know why. Um, and I don't say that as like a sense of pride or that anybody shouldn't be traumatized by sexual harassment. I think my mom set me up really well as a kid. Um, and she, she told me like, I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. Don't think of me as like an egomaniac, but my mom was like, you're an attractive guy and you're going to have situations. Uh, with men and with, sorry, with women and with men, this is when I thought that I was straight, um, where you are going to have to know how to say no, where you're going to have to know uh, when to step away, when to speak out. And I think because that was given to me at a very young age and because I left home, luckily she did that when I was like 13, 14 years old and I left home at 17. It's not like I was like leaving for college. So... um, I'm really grateful that I had that foundation um and I think that it 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 gave me certain tools to be able to uh, handle what was happening without ever feeling completely violated by it um, so yeah um if you would like to talk about this further um because I know that this is this could be a triggering topic or an upsetting topic or a, people could be listening to this and going, oh my God, I didn't realize I was being sexually harassed the entire time and that I was in a similar situation to that what possibly happened with Liam Scarlett. Um, if you feel the need to reach out, um, you can instant. You can uh instant message. That's so long ago. You can uh, DM me on Instagram at B Corollis or go onto my Facebook and send me a private message, and I'll do my best to respond. I, I'm very busy. It might take a little while, but um, I'll do my best to respond, and uh, I'll try to see if I can find uh, any resources, um, to offer so that if if you have been in a situation you need support that you can find. Uh, professional support that um, you might need. Um, so yeah, I think that that's where I'm going to end things. Uh, thank you for listening. And this, might, this is one of my deeper, darker episodes. And if you made it to the end, I really appreciate it. I, I hope that you got something out of this. And I hope that if you're sad in either end of the situation, that it brings you some, uh, it gives you some insight and some solace and some... Thought provoking information to really uh, let you think about it instead of just being like cancel, cancel, cancel. Like I'd rather talk. Let's just talk, and then let's find a better solution. And then let's offer people pathways to uh, prove to, to change their behavior and to prove themselves. Um, that's the world that I want to live in. With that, I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorliss.com. Again, that's www.barrycorliss.com. You can also check out my company on www.movementhqballet.org. You can reach out on my website if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me if you enjoyed this chat please feel free to share rate and review our podcast on itunes every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running and if this didn't fulfill your dance fix check out my sister podcast on the Premier dance network if you want to connect with me to see where i'm choreographing teaching and what i'm doing in my everyday life you can follow me on facebook instagram where my name is b corollis my company is on instagram at movement underscore headquarters or on twitter at bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs, I blogged for five years about traveling as an independent contractor and freelance dancer on Life of a Freelance Dancer. I also blogged for two years on Dancing Off Stage, uh, where I talked about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. If you'd like to check out my choreography, I have two YouTube channels, you can go to youtube.com and type in B Corollis or Movement Headquarters. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Saturday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.